0: From India's Largest Newsroom, I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast. We started 2022 with an episode about COVID-19 and the worry about the spread of the Omicron variant. Then the rest of 2022 happened where COVID-19 slowly became the last thing on our minds. As the end of the year came in, there were fresh worries about new variants and outbreaks of COVID-19 as China relaxed its restrictions. So what can we expect in 2023? Can we all take it a bit easy given we've all largely been vaccinated and may also have contracted the virus at least once before? Dr. Giridhar Babu says, if anything, we need to be proactive about preparations before the next potential wave of cases hits. Dr. Giridhar is the Professor and Head of Life Course Epidemiology at the Public Health Foundation of India. In today's episode, we discuss what we should worry about as we head into 2023 and what we can do to be safer. We started by asking Dr. Giridhar what he thought about the low number of cases and deaths in India in December.
1: Yeah, this is uh, definitely heartening given that India went through a deadly second wave followed by in more anticipated uh, Omicron uh, waves, but they're not as fatal as earlier ones. So there was definitely high levels of anticipation of this uh, so-called the worst uh, outcomes in terms of deaths or in terms of hospitalization. That has not happened. And our recovery rate is nearly 98.79% now. So this is a good state to be in but then is this a state of permanency we will have to follow the data very closely as we move
0: forward even the detection isn't it a issue given the fact that the symptoms have changed drastically even with this disease
1: absolutely so There are two uh, aspects which we need to be careful. Now, with each variant, there has been some change in the way it presents. Uh, Earlier on, we saw uh, lack of smell, anosmia uh, being the presenting complaint. That was no longer true with the Omicron variants. Most recently, the evidence indicates that uh, repeated sneezing uh, is also associated with COVID-19 And in between, if you see uh, with Delta, we saw a greater respiratory distress and the requirement for oxygenation increased. So uh, whether it uh, attacks the upper respiratory tract or lower respiratory tract or somewhere in between, uh, the symptoms and signs are indicative of where the virus is changing itself to attack. But it's still respiratory virus. Still the symptoms will be predominantly respiratory, along with fever and others, which are features of inflammation. So uh, doctors have picked up these unusual symptoms uh, with each wave, Uh, right now it is sneezing, headache, all the other features of upper respiratory tract infection. But if there is a change, the doctors would know because the moment there is uh, an increase in more than what is expected, uh, there will be uh, triggers and those triggers will uh, lead to further investigations. Surveillance system has to be strengthened. The moment these signals come, the system has to investigate, find out whether this is the newer variant. And that's where the genomic sequencing helps. That's where the capacity of the surveillance system comes into play. So uh, this is a, a whole of health system response that has to be strengthened.
0: So we we have some reports that say that the WHO could no longer consider COVID-19 a global emergency by 2023. Um, President Joe Biden of the US kind of declared it almost like an end of the pandemic. So do we now, like you said, do we look at it at a scenario where the worst is behind us? What we
1: define as worst is completely relative. Uh, If we listen to the Director General of WHO as recently... Uh, He clearly stated that the world is not equipped or we are not in a position to say that the pandemic is over now. It's mainly because of many challenges that are uh, around counting the cases, also in terms of uh, genomic sequencing and several other things. But most recently, the WHO has stated on record that... This is not the right time to say the pandemic is not over. And they're well positioned to say this based on the evidence. And they've also released six policy briefs around testing in terms of how clinical management should be done and how should we reach out in terms of vaccination targets and all uh, other aspects of uh, important management. However, uh, the world as a single community has not come together in terms of assessing how this can pan out in the future. Therefore, the although the worst in terms of the deaths or, or the so-called waves of death might be over, but we are not really sure that the virus is going to disappear or we are not really sure that the virus will present in either more infectious uh, forms uh, later on. So therefore, it is even more important for us to sustain the surveillance uh, infrastructure and be sure that we do not uh, lead into another worst scenario. Uh, I just want to conclude by saying that the worst could have been avoidable if there was better surveillance and better trigger mechanisms coupled with better preparedness. So therefore, we should, as a world, as a global community, we should never see similar thing in the future in terms of the worst health outcomes.
0: It's also interesting you say that because for all practical purposes, we've gone back to a sort of pre-2020 kind of scenario where we are really living the way we were in 2019. How do we play this then going forward given we don't really know even what's around the corner?
1: So if you uh, look at how we respond to health emergencies or generally any emergency for that matter, uh, we tend to follow all the non-phenomena, which is either doing everything that we can or we do nothing at all. Uh, This is not the way uh, a resilient health system or even an economy uh, will behave. So uh, we have seen what the unintended consequences on economy, livelihood has been because we uh, failed to take care of uh, health as a priority. We should not be doing the same mistake again. So in order to do that, uh, we don't have to do everything that we did during COVID-19 crisis, but we should be doing many things proactively. Uh, One of the things which you pointed out earlier, stepping up genomic sequencing capacity, making sure that there are health worker positions filled and then they are available to track the cases and detect outbreaks where they occur. And then uh, prioritize expanding uh, booster coverage uh, for the elderly and the others and ensuring that we don't uh, land in another wave. In order to do that, we just need to strengthen health system response. Uh, I'm not sure that's happening everywhere globally, Uh, particularly in India, uh, we should not be um, thinking that the worst is over and we don't have to worry about COVID-19 until uh, we have to be uh, badly reminded by another variant of the virus. So we just have to do little in terms of what proactive actions are needed, but we need to do that. We can't uh, let
0: go those actions. One big worry is that with China opening up and cases ballooning over there, we could see new variants of the virus emerge. Um, Could you explain what we could see?
1: Most uh, of the problems uh, that we are seeing in China are mostly due to the zero COVID policy or zero COVID strategy that the China adopted, which meant that they did not tolerate even a single uh, case of COVID-19 by shutting the borders, by heavy restrictions and all that, but that only meant that they postponed these outbreaks for a really long time. At the same time, the effectiveness of the Chinese vaccines, uh, I'm not really sure of the evidence around uh, the the vaccines uh, which are manufactured in China, and finally the booster dose or uh, coverage among the elderly is uh, definitely poor in China. And once they have decided to open up, even before opening up, the cases started uh, increasing in China. Now they're going through probably uh, the beginning of their peak. At the same time, they've stopped testing asymptomatics. uh, They've stopped reporting cases. So we really don't know what's happening in China in terms of number of cases, number of fatalities, or even severe uh, hospitalizations. Therefore, We simply don't know how the virus is going to change. As you are aware, once there is a scope for high circulation, the more the virus infects, the faster it infects, more are the opportunities given to the virus to change itself to be able to again infect more and more people. So This has been uh, repeatedly uh, uh, stated by World Health Organization. Therefore, we need to be uh, in a position where we want to prevent these kind of high transmissions because these are the ones which will uh, lead to uh, vulnerabilities uh, converted into fatalities uh, during the peak of the wave. Uh, outshooting the capacity of the health system and then getting into uh, economic crisis. And uh, we have seen all this. uh, And this is what probably China is going through uh, currently, but we don't know because we don't uh, clearly have the data to assess. But because this is happening in China, we can't uh, isolate this as China's problem. And when the world did that last time, uh, it ended up having a pandemic. Uh, it cannot be repeated again. So what needs to be done is step up again, surveillance, make sure the booster coverage in every country is uh, really shot up. And finally, uh, in terms of the health system capacity, we are ready uh, to tackle any uh, future waves. So that should be the way to look at this. Rather than uh, responding reactively, if the cases rise, it's better to have proactive
0: health system planning. You already mentioned the booster dose a couple of times and I want to talk about that a bit. Um, In India, the uptake for the booster shot has been very low. Um, But at the same time, we've had very high infection rates among people. Is that a matter of concern in the coming year?
1: So uh, I would be guided only by evidence. If you see the efficacy of vaccines that we have used in India or anywhere in the world, Uh, For the original strain, when the efficacy was tested, this was tested uh, against hospitalization or severe cases or death. And at the best, it is somewhere between uh, 85 to 93%, which meant that even if uh, a person is covered with two doses, uh, there is still around 7% uh, who are not having an adequate immune response. On top of that... uh, Although the seroprevalence estimates indicate that a vast majority of the people might have been infected, what is the protection against the future variants with either natural infection alone uh, in the past or just uh, with the primary doses alone in the past? If you compare, we have seen, especially in the elderly and those who have comorbidities, uh, having a greater risk uh, when the waves uh, Uh, hit the countries. So therefore, it is absolutely essential that although this may not be required as frequently as um, the flu vaccines are given uh, globally because of the way the virus is evolving uh, is different uh, compared to the flu virus, but boosters should be part of uh, the routine management of COVID-19 Especially for the elderly, and definitely uh, in the long run, for all those who have comorbidities and adults who are vulnerable. If you look at India as a country, uh, nearly 719 million people have received uh, the uh, doses, but 75% of the adults are yet to receive their booster shot. So. Uh, that's a big chunk of people uh, who have not received the booster shot. We have the opportunity. Uh, uh, We have track record of expanding the vaccination coverage in a very short span of time after the vaccines were available in India. So uh, probably it's a combination of several factors that people think it may not be that serious or it may not be important that we get a booster dose the amount of information and education around expanding coverage those campaigns might have lowered uh, in terms of intensity. I think we need to step all those up uh, just to be uh, sure that we will not see uh, another wave uh, like they are seeing elsewhere in the world.
0: But uh, do you believe then we should continue with the same vaccines or with different vaccines? Because uh, like one thing we do know now is that even with a booster dose, the one thing that doesn't happen is we don't stall, say, the transmission of the virus. Um, Should we be waiting for that sort of Omicron-specific variant of a vaccine? Or h- how do we go forward from here then with the booster program? So uh,
1: based on the studies uh, uh, from the research done in CMC, well, uh, they have reported COVID uh, which is protein subunit uh, based, uh, the third uh, booster for both COVID shield and COVID They uh, identified uh, an improved immune response. Similarly, COVID shield, uh, when given either for those who had COVID earlier or COVID shield earlier provided, uh, showed uh, a better immune response. So already now there is evidence that mix and match uh, of these vaccines is uh, beneficial. We do not have to uh, reinvent based on the evidence already available globally. I think we should go ahead with whatever vaccines we have uh, right now uh, made available to uh, us as uh, citizens uh, rather than waiting for a Omicron specific because these uh, specificities will keep evolving. But uh, because uh, right now we have the evidence that this will protect against death and hospitalization, uh, having one boost dose with a different vaccine based on the evidence, either Covivax or Covishield, uh, should do good for uh, preventing uh, uh, any uh, future fatalities.
0: To the point of uh, many of us having had COVID multiple times, like I myself have contracted it twice in, I think, over a period of a year. Do people like me who perhaps have been infected multiple times, can we live easy in the fact that even if we do get infected in the future, given the fact that we've been vaccinated, um, we can have nothing to worry about in some ways?
1: So, What uh, happens uh, when you look at uh, managing COVID-19 at the population level is, even if you were to assume that I and you as individuals have uh, proper immunity based on both the natural infection earlier and we've also got the primary doses, the risk is for the others who are in contact with us if we get infected and we uh, transfer the virus. So although the boosters don't, Uh, prevent uh, uh, the transfer of the infection. It is mostly against death and uh, serious hospitalization. Uh, Having a blanket cover of booster dose for uh, every adult, especially the vulnerable adult, will definitely reduce uh, the severity of the illness. Instead of looking at individually, whether it will be beneficial or not, at the population level, every eligible adult uh, should take the booster.
0: Another major factor is the the problem of long COVID, which in India still remains a minor concern. Though in the West we are seeing greater focus on it, uh, should it be an area of bigger focus? You believe in India in twenty twenty three? Yeah, this is this
1: is something that I've been stressing for a very long time now. Um, long COVID is uh, treated as a myth. Uh, uh, at least initially, but now there is overwhelming evidence that it is a reality. Um, Unfortunately, as of now, India does not have a system uh, which can track all the people. But my assumption is uh, it is better to assume that um, a person would have had uh, infection uh, in the last uh, uh, two years. And therefore, any cluster of symptoms associated with long COVID should be treated as such. Uh, In the long run, uh, India has robust plans for having unique health card and uh, building health databases uh, with referral. So once you have an electronic health record system, uh, which tracks all these uh, uh, wherever you go, irrespective of the place where you are in, that can get easily tracked. In the immediate uh, future, we should be uh, allocating resources to take care of persons with both physical and uh, mental health issues because of the long COVID. I think that should be part of uh, the uh, national um, health programs because there is several aspects of uh, diseases which gets covered in the Aishman Bharat, uh, where uh, most of the people uh, were under the cover of uh, uh, the Aishman Bharat can get treated for various illness uh, I would call for including uh, long COVID as one of the conditions under that so that people who cannot afford uh, should be able to get the benefits of uh, uh, several treatment options
0: And with uh, this virus in 2023 what will you be watching for and how would you advise people on dealing with it in the coming months?
1: So uh, the virus uh, will try to survive, right? I mean, it it just has to spread. It has to find people who are vulnerable, but it cannot think for itself, Uh, but we can. Um, That's where the problem is. Most people uh, think that it is already over and uh, it's almost like a taboo to speak about uh, COVID-19. Then what happens is, Because of this delay in proactive actions, both uh, at the individual level or the family level, or even at the level of community, uh, we again go into a a situation where the outbreaks can occur. Uh, This can change. So 2023, if there's anything that I would expect, is to uh, get the booster shots if you have not already got. And uh, in terms of the health system response, prioritize investing in health. Uh, Both for the family, uh, which generally is not the practice, but definitely at the government level, greater resources should be made available for strengthening surveillance and ensuring that uh, we will detect any outbreaks very early on and then prevent uh, its spread elsewhere.
0: Today's episode was produced by Jairad Singh, Sunai Marathe and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on Plus, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at toipodcast at timesinternet.in.